Just a quick service announcement to all the core queens and lords out there in the boogieverse. This episode of the podcast is proudly sponsored by Hitch Tea. A high performance tea made by two born and bred Aussie legends who were dissatisfied with the hot beverage market and wanted to introduce a viable product that would meet all of the customer's needs. This stimulating tea provides a slower release of caffeine for longer lasting energy throughout the day and provides clear conscious clarity without the freaky deaky jitters or midday energy crashes that coffee can provide. The crew over at Hitch have kindly offered to throw in a 15% discount if you use the code RIPTIDE15. All in lower cases, that's RIPTIDE15 at the checkout of hitchtea.com. So go grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy the upcoming episode. Yow! It was all a pipe dream, watching bodyboarding up on TV. Deep at reef, watching tension repeats, eating bakery feeds at 18, living the dream with no sunscreen. Yeah, we were so keen, surfing Aussie pipe, buying riptide, eating shit. We had a small little break and we're back into the conversation with two times world champion bodyboarder Pierre Luis Costes. We were just speaking about his long term relationship with board sponsor Pride and all the amazing movies that they have produced in the last decade, especially in the last five years, highlighting. Um, the standard level of bodyboarding all around the world, the different locations and building up athletes' profiles, especially when you're thinking about Steph Corkalalis, um, you're thinking about Tristan Roberts, you're thinking about Louis Finnegan, um, and you're also thinking about Isabella D'Souza, which uh, I wanted to touch on, especially in the Peninsula movie, Pierre, where she was just going ham at that Spanish beach break. What's it been like surfing with Isabella over the last couple of years? Yeah, um, I think um, is, is, Isabella Souza is definitely the greatest like woman uh, that ever, ever picked a bodyboard, and um, it's it's incredible what she does. And I think um, it was very, very, very important for her to be um, feature outside the competitions in a free surfing clip with the guys. So. She could really like show uh, what she can do, and uh, I think that clip, that that clip, Peninsula especially, was um, the first time she was invited to join us, and, uh, and that was that, that, that was a success. That was a success because I think uh, the highlight of the clip was definitely uh, her writing. I think people were not uh, people didn't know. I think people honestly didn't know how good she was, and. Um, and to see her like mix, mixing mixing it up with the with the guy was was great. It was super entertaining, and um, and I think it was great for the for the other women, you know, watching, uh, realizing that uh, how, how how good the, she is, how good the, her lover is, and um, I think my credit goes to Pride for really give her, give her the opportunity, you know. Because I think she was needing the opportunity, and Pride gave it to her, and it was it was a success. Oh, a huge success! I, I can't echo your sentiments more, man. Like when you think about Isabella de Souza before Peninsula, I always thought of an extremely good competitive yeah. surfer. I'd seen her surfing in Portugal um, firsthand at Sintra, so I'd obviously known her, her talents. But when you place um, a rider of of her caliber in the waves that were featured in Peninsula. 
man, it just shows where she's at. And you're so right. Like some of those, some of those moves, you know, especially that beach break, that session I was speaking about um, in Spain, like that, that blew me away. Some of the lines she was drawing, some of the the radical manoeuvres she was popping, and not so much as in a traditional fashion. She was putting her own spin and taste on it, which was really cool to see. And, um, you know, it's much like watching, say, like when Michael Novi was was coming up and we spoke about him earlier, he had a very unrefined style, which was so perfect and raw because – and now he's got older, he's, he's obviously um, done what he, he thought – was correct with bodyboarding and such a beautiful polished style and, and, you know, achieved so much himself. But if you go back to, to Isabella, she's kind of from the same um, ilk, so to speak, where she, 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 she just has that unrefinedness in her style, but it's still so fluent and aesthetically pleasing and so, so raw, like you just want to watch more of it. And it was really evident in Peninsula. Uh, I, I completely agree. Yeah. She, she has a, she, she has, a, I like her style. She's like, she, she's got that, you know, South, South American background, like really, you know, very efficient. Like she's really um, strong. Uh, you can see, you can see the competition. She have that that competitiveness that uh, really, really stand out. But she, she has a little bit too of a, you know, European style, Australian style. She, she I think her style is great. I think she has flow, uh, which is uh, which not all the men have flow. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we can. Or we can say that she's 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 amazing. Yeah, one 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 hundred percent. And with the relationship with Pride and with yourself and all the other athletes around, um, yeah, can can you imagine a a world without Pride bodyboards and and how it would look um, for your career, especially you know over, over the last ten years? Like what 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 do they mean to you? No, uh, <laughs> I don't imagine my world without Pride. <laughs> yeah, no. I can't either. I mean, I, I, uh, it's 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 uh, it's much it's 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 just much more than uh, than a sponsor for me. Like it's been like I've been writing for them for many years. Uh, I really like help like build the brand, you know, like because uh, it's been so many years so far, and um, and it's like a family too, you know. It's uh, and the people that write for them are also the people who, who the people who work and the people who write for them are friends. So. Yeah, I mean, I create like some good relationship with those people, and um, but I mean, you you, you you obviously you don't know the future, but uh, at the moment things are going good. Uh, I I am um, I'm following uh, the project. We have uh, things uh, we work on things together. We have a really good relationship, and uh, in terms of a sponsor, like I cannot complain. It's a, it's a, it's a great sponsor. It's uh, they've been helping me uh, during that um, for so many years, for so many years during the, with the tender project, with the tough uh, COVID years um, and recently as well, they've been helping me. So yeah, in terms of a sponsor, it's uh, I think everyone should be treated and, um, and yeah, I definitely look uh, to the future working with them. Man, that's such a refreshing um, point of view that you've just laid out there, Pierre, because if you were to talk to the majority of bodyboarders in the industry at this current stage um, and you were to echo those thoughts, they would laugh at you and um, say that you're completely incorrect and that's not the experience they've had. I'm not saying you haven't had that experience because it's clear and it's, and, it's, and it's evident that you have been 
an integral part in making that um, career happen. It just hasn't happened by itself. And and obviously things fall into place because um, of goodwill and karma and positive thought processes and 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 wanting to achieve that through drive and, and competitive prowess. But man, like like you're you're a bit of an enigma. Like you've always been an, an, an enigma in your career. You've been described like at a very young age as an enigma, but really man, like your skill level, your tenacity and your projection throughout your career has just kept you sailing onwards and upwards while other people around you of a similar skill level have fallen by the wayside. So, you know, just, just knowing that and, and kind of stating that what, is next for Pierre and what does the next five to 10 years hold in the world of bodyboarding for Pierre Luis Costes? That's a good, that's a good question. Uh, that's a good question. So at the moment right now, uh, I've, I've been going through phases, especially the last few years, especially after the, the COVID like, you know, like kind of, kind of stopping me and stopping us from what we were used to and ready to do. I think the COVID had an impact on a lot of people. And uh, in th- for me, uh, to always try to find, I'll try uh, to find the positive everywhere. And I mean, during the COVID years, I was able to kind of preview uh, my future because everything stopped, no more traveling, no more competition, uh, less money, of course. And, um, and that's, that's how I decided to, to, to move forward and start my project of the, of the camps. And uh, that's been a part of the, of completely part of my, of my life the last two years and a half, I would say. And I've been really enjoying it. I've been receiving uh, so many, so many different people, so many incredible human beings that, uh, you know, have the problems. All, they, they're all connected to bodyboarding, but they all have the, the life, uh, the issues, and they just love the ocean just for the, like for just, it's pure. Like the, the love for bodyboarding and the ocean is pure. And I've been really enjoying spending time with those people from kids to, to, to old people. It's been great. So yeah, I think I'm going to be still working towards that direction, uh, doing camps. I'm going to focus now being in Portugal, but uh, I have project to do potentially some uh, outside Portugal. And the idea is really to create a family. I'm really creating like a, a community at the moment and I'm really enjoying it. Like I've been meeting like so many incredible people that are, that are friends now that we, we chat all the time. And it's just like, you just, you know, you just expand your, your network and yeah, it's like creating a company. It's, 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 it's really, it's really cool. And it's all based on, you know, like, uh, on the human side. So I, I really enjoy it. Um, in terms of my career, um, I've been going through many different phases the last few two years, and I can say today that um, I, re- I, 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 I want to kind of give priority to the competitions. Um, I feel I feel I feel like I'm a competitor. I definitely maybe some maybe there was a moment I, I didn't know, but I, now, now I was 33 years old. I realized that I was always a competitor. That I would, it was inside of me and I like the idea of, you know, waking up in the morning and having a routine, try to be as healthy as possible, uh, train towards, uh, objective towards goals, um, that are not as exigent as free surfing because 
I always grew, uh, always had that career that I felt that um, I was like 50-50, you know, like I wasn't focusing on one thing. I think you had to be a good free surfer at one stage to make, make it into bodyboarding. Competition was not enough and, and vice versa. And um, at the moment, I can tell that I really feel like working the next few years, like as because I still feel fit, I really want to try to achieve a few more things in competition. I really like the idea of being now in the old genera- older generation and face the new generation and really try to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't know if I'm the favorite, like when I go to the competition, but I don't feel that way anymore. I, I felt this pressure during many, many years, you know, like being, um, competing, directing, dire- like, op- like competing against like direct peers. But now I feel like I'm, I'm past that generation and I, I, and I really enjoy that challenge and I really tr- want to win a few more events and potentially a world title. If uh, the tour is it's very, very difficult to follow for right now as a father, it's not very, I cannot say that I'm chasing a world title because I not doing all the events and not doing all the events against that new generation against people like Tristan Roberts and Tanner McDaniel. It's really, uh, difficult, possible, but really, really difficult. So um, it's, it's, it's in my mind. I want, I want to chase it, but I really want to kind of give it a hundred percent at every comp I go and I want to win more competition. So I'm going to be focused, focusing on competitions for at least the short term, I would say. And, um, and I really would like just to bodyboard as much as I can. I really find, find it very, very, uh, I find a lot of inspiration to see Mike keep getting better at 60 years old. Uh, for me, it's incredible. Uh, I find inspiration watching Jeff doing air races at backdoor with his, uh, close to his fifties. It's unbelievable. Um, and those, those, those goals, you know, like this, this idea of potentially being riding when I'm 70, <laughs> it's good. It's going to make me, it's going to force me to choose like a healthy pass and, it's gonna keep my mind healthy, so yeah, that's 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 uh, that's how I see myself in a in a few years. I want to enjoy life with the family, of course. My son is six now; it's great. It's a great age. I want to be I want to be. I'm happy to be a father, and I want to I want to spend as as much quality time with him. I don't know the future in terms of relationship and everything, but I really I know my son will always be my son, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But uh, with the ingredients I have at the moment, uh, the thing that I know, life is, life, life is good. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's the direction I want to work towards is really trying to be, like try to be healthy, to be in ocean as long as possible. Wow, man. Like I'm, I'm kind of sitting here a bit gobsmacked, not because that I've just heard that you want to continue bodyboarding, which I know the, the rest of the bodyboarding world wants, wants you to do as you said, all the way to your 60 or 70, but to know that you've still got the competitive desire to, to keep hunting it down. I know, you know, you just, you stated that you were tossing up whether or not you've been a competitive person um, all your life. And, and from an outside perspective, looking in, man, like, as I said, that steely gaze that only you and really Tristan Roberts um, really harness in my eyes is like some crazy competitive fire burning at the back of those pupils that just, just want 
just want to continually achieve greatness. Um, and you've done that throughout your life. You're two times world champion. Um, you've received all the free surfing accolades you can really receive. You're now giving back to the sport, um, doing bodyboarding comps and all that kind of stuff and, and, and building a community, as you just said, which is what we're trying to do here at Riptide with this podcast is trying to build uh, a networking community that links everyone up within the industry and continually allows it to grow and thrive. Um, and there's no segregation or no lines drawn in the sand through different exactly. industry heavies or officials that have kind of, you know, possibly egos might have gone in the way back in the day for, to let it to move forward and progress. And I think we're definitely getting over that. But it's just incredible to hear coming back full, full, um, full rotor in regards to this point. It's like you still have the drive to be a better, a better bodyboarder. And that's, that's incredible because really, man, like, as I said, like most people would look at you as, as one of the greatest of all time and you're still looking to improve and achieve new goals, which is just incredible. And it also just goes back. It just shows to, you know, full credit to your, um, your mental fortitude and your, your ethos, man, just to, to, to get up every day and know that there's a routine and a and a um a pathway you must follow to to continually achieve in your life. It's so good. And from a bodyboarder's perspective, we hope you keep doing it forever, man. As long as those ribs hold up from all those um, <laughs> yeah. ten foot backies, bro, you, you'll be sweet. Eh? It's, it's <laughs> the, the physique is super important. The physique is super important. I had uh, had I had my injuries uh, in the last few years, but the mental part is the one that is definitely. Like it's it's the hardest. The, it's 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 a lot about the mental right now. You know, to be able to to go to the competition, including the sacrifice when I leave my family, knowing uh, how good the guys are, knowing that it's possible to lose. Uh, you just you just have to be ready. I mean, you just have to learn how to lose. You know, when you're a competitor, I think you just have to learn how to lose, especially in sport like bodyboarding and surfing, individual sports. Like you need just to be ready. Like you just you need to learn how to lose, and uh, but it's hard. It's hard for your ego. You know, it's really hard when you lose. You know, but you see the guys like a guy like Jeff is still there, close to his fifties, and he's. I mean, he won front on last year. For me, that's that's incredible. I mean, that's One incredible. Of the biggest ARSs slash backflips we've ever seen too in a competition. Exactly, but like he. Like we we, we speak a lot with Jeff, and he was telling me actually he won South Africa too before. He was telling me that has been six years since he hasn't won a comp. Six years, and people just see the results and the wins of every athlete. They, but us as athletes, we know the, the, how hard it is, the, the hard work, you know, that we put behind. And uh, it, it, at this stage, when you achieved kind of what you wanted in the sport, it's 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 a, it's a lot of it's it's definitely a mental game right now. So as long as my mental keeps uh, keep keep has that fire it's fine but it's it's more more important than the physique it's really it's really the mind yeah it's the mind it's the the mental capacity to keep going and yeah. also to juggle different avenues in your life pierre like you're only just talking about your family life before man and obviously being married to a portuguese celebrity um of her status root uh penedo that's yeah the taste but, of yeah. But, yeah yeah <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah. sorry no, yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah you're right Poor pronunciation, but um, you know, oh, man, that no, must be, that must be quite a um, quite a struggle, you know, at at different times, Pierre, because you've obviously such a high profile 
bodyboarder, but then you've had your personal life also being high profile because of the individual you married, the life you guys have in Portugal um, and with your son and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, not many people, my point being not many people's wedding video is on the internet on YouTube, but like <laughs> yours is there because of your status um, with Root. I just wanted to know, like, how has it been dealing with, with, with managing both the professional and the personal side during um, your career as a professional bodyboarder? Oh, it was it, it was fine to be honest. Like, let's be honest. It's just it's high profile, maybe, but I mean, compared to some other sports, I mean, you look at the other soccer players, the tennis players. Like, it's it's a different kind of pressure. I think that for them, they have a lot of pressure. You know, much more than that. I feel that we do. I think I feel I was always feeling lucky. You know, to be able to do what I love, to be able to do such a cool thing. You know, it's so cool to be like working in the ocean, you know, it's, I, I was always like very conscious that, uh, I was lucky and, and, um, it wasn't so, it was, it, of course there, there, there are a lot, a lot of ups and downs, but bodyboarding was really important. Uh, the person around me knew how important it was. So it was, it was, it was definitely manageable and, and, um, I wouldn't say easy, but things were, Pretty flawless, I would say. That's great. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because like a lot of the times, um, you know, things might look all dandy from the outside, but then on the inside, it can be like a you know duck on the top of the surface of the water, and its legs just going crazy underneath trying to keep afloat. But to hear that, that's that's excellent, man. And I think you know a lot of athletes around the world struggle to maintain um, a good, healthy balance, but. As you've just said, then like you've got a lot, a lot has to do with the support you have. I, I was I, I was lucky with the support I had from my family, from my from my wife, from my from my sponsors. So yeah, I was like in a good like like say good entourage. Yeah, you've got a great team around you, and it's making it happen, which is which is perfect. So, dude, you've you've, you've got that team around you. You're on top of the world, and we've spoken about all the great accolades and achievements. Obviously, speaking about your hardships when you when you were younger, coming up in bodyboarding. But when you were established, can you please give me an example of the most joyous, greatest moment you've experienced in the last ten years in bodyboarding, and one of the lowest, most horrific moments you've experienced during bodyboarding? <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, oh, there's been so many. <laughs> Oh, bro, I can imagine you've been through so many fucking moments. I mean, I really like uh, the first world title is definitely special. It's special because like, you work so hard for, for it. You always, like I spent my life saying in, in the interviews, like, yeah, I want to be world champion. I want to be world champion. I really believed it, but it was something like, I feel like I had to say, you know, like to, to people. And uh, achieving it was, was incredible. Like, uh, the, the feeling was, was, was amazing, but, uh, I had some like very, very happy moments. Like, for example, like, uh, I think winning pipe was something really that, 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 that I had in my mind, like yeah, almost before winning the world title as some, because maybe I grew in like in that very, the golden years in Hawaii and winning pipe was like the best competition you could win. So that and was also something... pipe is still revered as one of the heaviest and greatest waves in the world. So yeah, you're yeah, in a competition yeah. out there with the best boogs, man, like it is a, it's a, it's a big thing. 
I really felt something different when I won pipe. World title was great. I was was amazing, but pipe was was different. And and the other one would be like winning Arika like one month after my son was born because I was Arika was really the competition I wanted to win, and I struggled so much to win it. Like I it took me like maybe ten years. I made like semis finals, but I never was able to win. And then my yeah, son you was won born. three times now. Yeah, it's 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 like I only wanted like. Three times in the last five edition, because before that it was just, just disappointment. <laughs> to be honest, like I was, I started really well with Arika, like making my first two years. I did, I got third twice. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there slowly. And then it was just like, you know, like not bad result, but always like close battles, like losing the quarters or before that. And uh, so my son was born. So that year in 2017. Um, I knew I was not going to do the, the world tour. And uh, the only comp outside Europe that I chose was Arika. And I would say that I went there the less prepared I've ever been, you know, going to Arika. Like I had, I, I just had a baby. It was, it, it just killed me to actually leave. Uh, I didn't have proper sleep. I didn't have, I was just like a new, a new dad. And winning was very, very emotional. I think that was the most, the most emotional win I, I had. Because I was not expecting it, and I was working so hard to win that comp that, I, I mean, that was a great moment. And after that, if everything went went like easier, I would say in Chile, not easier, but when you take the monkey out of the back, things get you know that pressure off. It's easier. Yeah, you just feel better, and and it's um not as much of a mental weight on your mind. Who did you beat in the the final that year, Pierre? Uh, it was the year. Um, it was the Alan Munoz did a massive invert. Uh, oh, I yeah, so it, it was a four-man final because of yeah they had to condense. It was a four-man final. The first time I think it was a four-man final. It was Ian Campbell, Alan Munoz, and and Roberto Bruno. Yeah, that was the final. Was that the yeah. year Nick Gornell was over there and did that ridiculous invert? No, too? no, no, no. Nick was there way before that. I think it was way before that. Okay. Way before that, yeah. Maybe based that on his before that. Pretty wild, hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember that. Remember that. The ABA years when he did that. He was got a wild card, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. I remember him being in that heat. And um, I don't want to draw away from the story, but just, just quickly on Nick, I remember him being like, you know, the, the, the big star lord coming out of Australia and obviously everyone knew him as a free surfer, but then – no one expect him to kind of pull on a rashy. And I think him and Ty Glander um, were working really closely together at the time and they had a, a, a big goal to kind of put his bodyboarding on the world stage in a competitive sense. And, man, I think he went out in that heat from all reports just with the mindset of, like, I'm going to do one of the biggest moves I can here to to kind of make a statement. And, man, that that invert was a statement. Yeah, well, he, it was – even in the free serve, it was – it was. It did. I do. I think still the biggest errors I've seen there. Right. You guys have got a, a really cool relationship because in Tender, watching you guys go through South Australia together, like equally being freakish bodyboarders on 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 the same talent level, like it's incredible to watch you hit bowls, especially at a wave um, on the more western edge of um, the South Australian desert. There, that you know, quite quite famous in the bodyboarding and surfing world uh, and quite dangerous at the same time. Like watching that session there and, and watching other sessions from around the area, um, like 
you guys, you guys look like you had had so much fun. Can you tell me a bit more about the that part of tender in the the South Australian leg because it just looked dreamy, man. Yeah, it's uh, to be honest, it, 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 it is the world where we had the, the original script. Australia was uh, was one of the places I was the most worried to to score. And when I when I invited Nick Nick Golo to join, he was immediately really keen, which I was really happy about because I didn't know how he. He would react at the moment, you know, he was still running for stairs, everyone had their own project. Like I was basically asking him, look, I'm, I want to film with you for two weeks. And, um, but the movie is only going to come out in three, in three years or two, I don't remember. But so it was really nice from, from him. I really appreciate that he, he, he worked with me uh, in that project uh, because he was seeing that the Australian section is very, it's very, uh, I think part of the success of the movie, and uh, it's it's super cool because I really wanted to be I really wanted to ride with him uh, in Australia because Nick Gono really represents like the like the Australian uh, prototype, you know, like physically but also in style. I think at that moment he was the most stylish uh, rider and one of the most stylish uh, bodybuilder ever for sure. But the, he was so technical, you know, like the, it's incredible. It's incredible when you're a bodybuilder and you and you watch uh, this kind of riding, how, how hard it is for for a rider to to execute move the way it does. It's it just it's a, it's another degree of difficulty. So I was really happy to be doing that trip with him. And I have to admit, we got so lucky with the forecast because we are, I did, we didn't go for we didn't go for a swell. We I went I booked I booked the date a long a long time before flying. So. Everything just went together. I had, I was, I was, I was lucky, and yeah, I mean, it was like a competition almost because it was most most of the time just two of us in the water. So the vibe was super cool, but yeah, it was like a different competition for sure. It was cool. It was cool. One, uh, I, I, one of the best trip I've ever done for sure, if not the best. You're, you're the second person I've only ever heard of. The first person being Brendan Newton to book tickets that far in advance and then luck into a swell. Do you know where Brendo lucked into his swell? Uh, Tidy. He booked fucking tickets to Shipstones. I think it was like two or three months in advance, man. Really? Bro. That's even more fickle. I know, way more fickle. Like you're lucky to get like for the local boys, like three or four proper swells there a winter and that's like a good, winter you know like I, I could not believe that and for you to do it in the desert which again has a lot of different factors don't get me wrong they get no, a lot of is, down there. but you've got to have tides you've got to have winds come together you've got to have yeah it's 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 not easy and for you to do that and then for that to go with nick as you said who encompasses the australian look like aesthetically he's a fucking good looking strong ripped australian boob with long blonde hair yeah. he's cruisy as hell like the nicest fairly you'll, you'll ever meet he's one of the most talented bodyboarders to ever lay down on foam and you were with him in his own backyard i know he's from the gold coast but he spent a lot of time down there in the desert and he knows a place like the back of his hand and for you guys to go and wave for wave for wave there it's just probably you know like i'm not going to say it won't happen again but it's kind of highly unlikely it will happen again uh, yeah it takes a lot of a lot of things to make it happen. Um, we, I, I, I was lucky. <laughs> you were. We were lucky. But again, luck comes in 
And then there's also um, good faith and 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 calm. And yeah, it's amazing can happen. We, the week before was Nick, Nick Gondel, um Nick Omrod almost died. You know, like he had that injury oh. a week before. I knew, and I was. Bro, were you guys there that at tree. that time? Nick was surfing. Yeah, Nick was surfing. He was already there, and yeah, I was. Bro. I was there a week before because I was actually there a day before in the car park at that exact wave or the, you know, the yeah, yeah. dust bowl where you go up to where you need to be and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to say the exacts. But, um, yeah, and I was there only a day before and me and my partner were driving across from, like my wife, Lozzie, uh, my wife, sorry, Lauren, I'm driving across from Sydney to Perth, um, embarking on our on our big um, 10-month trip around the world and and, and we actually saw – Nick in the car park, oh, Nick wow. Ormod with his missus in that in that white commuter he had. Um, just just cruising, man. Everything was fine. And then for me to find out um, just before I left Australia, the injury that he'd incurred and for you guys to be around the same time, that's psycho. Because, again, the way that you're surfing a lot in that tender movie is renowned as being one of the most dangerous and has taken out so many bodyboarders since. Yeah, it's dangerous and far, and far away from everything. That's the that, that's the scariest part for me. It's just if something happened, you know, like bad injury or even a shark encounter, you, I don't know, the ch- chance of surviving are pretty low. Like Nick, oh, Nick almost, almost died, like literally out there. You did? No, Nick, Nick. Yeah. Oh, bloody oath, man! Like the internal bleeding he had from hitting the bottom of that reef and, and, you know, only recently, um, I don't know if you heard, but there's a famous surfer here in Australia. Oh yeah. yeah. Bottom. I saw, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Bro. And he came off on the wrong side of that wave. Like, again, he didn't really make it past the first pinnacle oh. bit getting towed in. It was low tide. And, you know, when you walk down that cliff and the, and the track down, you know that the rocks that you're standing on wearing fucking sneakers or vans or thongs, because you can't walk down there barefoot is the exact reef in which you're surfing over on a 10 foot wave, you know what I mean? So it's pretty gnarly, eh? Super gnarly. I, I don't think I, uh, I don't know. I don't, like, we don't, we don't know the future, but I really try to avoid, uh, putting myself into situation. Like it's just too risky when you're dad, when you, when you have a family, it's different. Like I, 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 I'm trying to avoid, you know, it's too dangerous. Bro, too that's, dangerous. that's a big, that's a, Big 180 from your attitude of the last 15 years. You've been yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> known to go for the most dangerous things. Like, again, what we mentioned before, that air reverse at 10-foot pipe out on the flats. People have died at that wave, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, Arika, you hitting sections out there on that end section from Ivan Surf to person, but from all accounts, is one of the gnarliest and heaviest waves, the shallowest waves going around. So, yeah, what... And so you really feel like family and, and kind of realizing there's different aspects in life have, have kind of changed your mindset a bit? Yeah, for sure. I, so far, I think that's why I say when I want to focus on competition, I feel in a competition, I still have that craziness. I feel that I would push myself uh, more in a competition than I would in the free surf. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel that way. And when I'm in the comp- competition, I feel like that, you know, I'm working, you know, I feel like, I'm actually doing something, you know, and uh, and um, those free surf trips in remote places. I've did so many, you know, and I realized how lucky I was that I that nothing happened. Like um, I can't give you so many examples, but the one in Apocalypse is also one of them. You know, it's I realized that wow, 
I'm not going to go back because it's just too dangerous. It's just too dangerous. I mean, I don't have the feeling anymore. I don't have the envy to do it. Where is this, sorry? uh, Apocalypse, but night that trip we did what? with Jerry and Tom Rigby like a long time ago. Oh, that crazy ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that looks psycho. This place is so like far that. away from a hospital. Yeah, and doesn't it just run into a massive closeout? Like you can't make it? Yeah, it's kind of a closeout, yeah. But like, I mean, a crazy closeout. Because that's that. I've, I've seen that wave featured before by these surfing brothers called, one of them called Tim Turner or something. I can't remember the name of the movie, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the movie. Bruh, it was, I remember seeing that wave and then realizing that that was the wave you were surfing and just going like, they were camping out on the beach with no contact for like months at a time because it was so remote. Like uh, that's, yeah, you get a cut over there, staff infection, you bleed out, man. Like so many things can happen. Well, what, what happened to um, Michaela Jones, right? Right now in Indo? I know, man. He was, know, he was, man. he was there. He was there during that session. He, he, um, he performed his eardrum during our session. And that day he almost died. He was lucky. Like he was like, he couldn't reach the surface. He was going like deep. So all, yeah. all, we, all we could see was his leg. He lost completely senses. He lost all his senses. Or, and he was, yeah, he was, he was lucky. He was lucky that day. So I don't know. I just, yeah, I just, yeah. I just I really liked you know, <laughs> to being a father and watch my son grow. So. Yeah, no, dude, it's amazing to hear because. And I already, I was already very selfish. You know, I already did. Did already did it already did so many sacrifices or so many oh, bro, just missions. Yeah, and if you don't have the drive inside, to I, I know you're going to keep progressing as a bodyboarder because you just naturally will anyway. But if you don't have the drive to continually put yourself in ridiculous situations, then why do it? Because as you said, you've done it before. You've proved it to yourself. You have other people to think about in your family. And even as I'm getting older, man, like it's a, it's a fair few waves around home that. We've all had a dig at um, the local bodyboarding community here, and there's probably some situations where you do realise you were one, you were one second or one step or one meter away from really, really, really hurting yourself. And I think you've you've kind of got to come to grips with realise why you're surfing and why you're bodyboarding and why you want to do certain things, and if it's actually um, the outcome is going to be worth the worth the reward like when you're when you're, so, when you're younger like you just don't have that nah, you just don't think about it at all you just don't think about it at, nah, at you all don't. <laughs> you, don't. You, don't, you don't you don't even think about your parents you know like thinking what you know what i mean like it's you're just in a different different mood you just want to you're it's you're crazy when you're young i know man i know i don't think some of the trips like now, now it's almost selfish you know to think about doing that you know it's i don't i, I, I don't i don't i don't want to yeah, it's so cool to see that you've got that frame in mind. Because again, like from the outside looking in, man, you probably wouldn't really think that, but you're just at such a high level of bodyboarding anyway that probably the the risks that you're taking are calculated regardless. Because really, when you do look at back at competition, man, I know you think it might be a little bit safer, but still hitting like a 10-foot left at Arikas or Fronton, for example, is still going to put your body on the line. Oh, yeah. But, 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 uh, yeah, I haven't been to Fronton since... Uh... Since uh, Julian Gonzalez passed away last year, it's going to be strange going back there. For sure. And do you feel like that's the reason Amore and a lot of other people have started to don the, the helmet? Yeah, it is the reason. It is the reason. I think they're going to, the junior will have to use a helmet. It's like, yes, yeah, they're going to have to wear a helmet. But uh, for us, yeah, I probably should wear one, to be honest. Everyone should wear a helmet. I'm just not, 
yeah, I haven't done the, the transition yet, but... Uh, I know, and to get used to it, because it would be unusual having something on your head. To get used to, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, actually, uh, let's see. There's um, a fella, um, a local bodyboarder here in Cronulla called Adam Smith, and he recently um, de-scalped him, not de-scalped himself, <sighs> but definitely hit his head pretty heavy at the island only a couple of months ago, and um, we did a quick story on him at Riptide. And, and, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really, that was bad. I remember perfectly. Bruh, and hit his head so hard, and that's the second time it's happened to him. And actually, You got more than 100 stitches, right, like 130 or? Yeah, he got some crazy amount. Yeah, yeah it was, <laughs> Insane. I think that's, yeah, it's probably one of the worst injuries except obviously a broken neck or back at the island I've seen. But, man, the point of the story is that because um, it got out there and everyone obviously noted, and there's been a lot more talk recently, especially um, Owen Wright and everything, donning a helmet and other people doing it certain ways. Like, they just sent him out a helmet, man. It's one of those, like, um, gladiator-looking ones, like almost like. Yeah, yeah. um, I'm always got one of them. They look look pretty good. It won't protect you. Yeah, it won't protect you as much as a like a those gas helmet, but it it it, it will help in case of yeah, contact. Sure. It will help. It, it, and maybe it, that's it, what it can save your life. Yeah, it'll be like that in between part where you can still boog with it, but then you you know you've got that little yeah. safety net. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that that, that was cool to play, bro. Um, it, I really want to know. Um, just say thank you, and I just want to again. Um. Just let you know that, like, you've done so much for the world of Bougain. You've given me your time today and even just chatting out some of your life achievements, I'm sure, is going to have a huge effect on generations to come. And I hope people listen back to this podcast and just realize what your life story is about, what you put yourself through, and now what you're giving back to bodyboarding through your camps and um, through your, your experiences and time. Like, it's just a – you're just a good dude, Pierre. Um and no, you are, bro. Honestly, it's fucking epic to have you on the potty, and it's epic just to have you in the the sport of bodyboarding. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, and um, just congratulate you on what you've done because, like, I can't really say a bad word about you. Like, and a lot, like, and I'm I'm not saying you focus on like negatives of people and stuff like that, but like, you know, usually, especially Australians, you can have a bit of a whinge and a bitch and whatever. It's like. There's always going to be something that pops up, but my interactions with you and many people throughout the sport have the same opinion. It's like you're a professional, you're dedicated, and it's really cool to see. And I think the sport of bodyboarding has grown a lot with your involvement, man. So congratulations. Thanks, thanks, Luke. <laughs> thanks a lot. That's cool, my bro. Um, and one last question for you. Who's winning this year's world title? Because I looked at your points, and I know you're going to the Maldives coming up for the IBC, and you are technically you have a mathematical chance depending on how many comps you you do go to at the end of the year. But putting yourself out of the title race, bro, who's winning? Um, Tanner has the highest chance to win the world title this year. Ooh. Yeah. And just quickly before we we sign off. Um, how was that final in Arika with him, my bro? Because it was uh, it was it a was, pretty tense one. It was super. It was super intense. Uh, I, I, I was lucky, but I feel that I feel that semifinals between Tanner and Amori was kind of the final, and I think Tanner wrote that semifinal perfectly. Like to beat Amori at Arika, you 
you need to do something special. Tanner did it. And I think yeah, he, he arrived in the final, not tired, but he kind of used like all his not kind of karma and energy. And I mean, I did my best in the final. I, it, the waves were not that good in the final, to be honest. Like it was kind of hard to find good waves, but uh, it was intense. It was intense. I honestly couldn't believe that he didn't get a four. Uh, four, seven, five, and ten minutes in Arica, especially knowing how good he is. Like he gets, he got a nine. hour hard priority when he got the nine. So, yeah, I was. I mean, but some, sometimes I'm on the opposite side too. So competition is like this. Sometimes you have those moments where, I mean, maybe you were like, like when you need luck, you need luck in competition. And I think in that final, I was lucky. That's for sure. For sure, and I it's think been, it's your turn. It's been intense our battles, Larika. Like we had like three finals, like in the last five five comp, I think, five five events, I think, in Larika, and he beat me. I was I had nine. I had nineteen point five in two thousand eighteen, and I lost because he got two tens. Like <laughs> it's like it's always been hard, like riding with him. Always, always. That's so cool, man. <laughs> and the the riding level at the top is so crazy. Like yeah, I, yeah. I know. Um, it's all like, again, the, the IBC's coming uh, along in leaps and bounds. It's getting better and better. But like when you have, especially when it comes down to the semis and the finals at, at the moment, like e- even the quarters, like every heat is almost a final with the top five or ten guys. So it's um it's really cool to watch, and I can't wait to see what happens in the Maldives. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very very important event for for the rest of the year since we don't have men's in Sintra and no men's in South Africa. It's going to be, yeah, kind of not a decider, but kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be a pivotal one for points. You you, you know who's going to be battling for the world title at front on after Maldives. Sick, sick, sick. All right, well, me and Coops, um, Sean Cooper will definitely wrap that up after that comms finish on Comp Talk for the listeners out there. We'll sink our teeth in and dissect it and hopefully we're talking about you as the 2023 maldivian champion my bro yeah that'd be great that's <laughs> <laughs> off man well dude thanks for your time again um i know it's getting late over there in portugal i oh, appreciate okay. you um staying and, up uh, and let's chat again soon thanks to thanks to you look okay i will tell me, I, I will also say that uh you know you're a great guy i mean you know i met you in australia when i was really young and you've always been Nice, kind, and super friendly, you know. So in this early years in Australia, were not easy. Were the hardest, you know. And you were there, I remember, and I, I, I don't forget. So I'm happy with we having that interview right now and uh, and doing a great job, man. You are like an encyclopedia. <laughs> Thanks, my bro. Thanks, well, as, as, research, bro. <laughs> yeah, I do. Well, as you just said, spending the time um, from a young age hanging around with people like yourself and everyone in the industry i just i've been loving i've been a, a boog tragic ever since so yeah bruh onwards and upwards let's keep boog and thriving yeah i wish you the best brother thanks my bro let's speak soon it was all a pipe dream watching bodyboarding up on tv deep at reef watching tension repeats eating